0: Ladies, gentlemen, he, she, we, they. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast where warriors, women and now men, who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. I am super psyched today. We are talking today to Stefan Lovegrove who is America's life coach. America's life coach, like that is something to freaking live up to right there. his goal. I took a look at your website, Stefan, and I saw this quotation, which I absolutely love. My goal is to be the most magical person. You know, we have got to talk about that. So, actually, let's open the show with that. I want to. So, I want to give you the mic because generally, I have my guests introduce themselves, and I'd love to. I would love to know, you know, who you are other than America's Life Coach, and where you're from, and and what you're up to. And I and then we'll follow up about being a magical person. But yeah, if you can answer the question like what is super magical about you? I would love to hear that too
1: Sure Uh, well where to begin? I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina So I definitely have southern roots in me uh, Though as we were just discussing off-air I am now in the city of angels coming to you from Los Angeles today um and Essentially, what it means to be America's life coach for me is I work with entrepreneurs and entertainers. So all my non-conventional people out there, where at the beginning of the path everybody thinks you're crazy and nobody thinks it's going to work, and then when things really blow up, they really blow up. Uh, those are my people, and I help them change their lives from the inside out. So really at the foundation of my work is the belief that inner work is the fastest way to get where you're going and get what you want um, and have it last and actually feel good to you. So that is the work that I get to do with some amazing people who very much inspire me. Um, And I'm glad that you resonated with that sentence because I always think of the Maya Angelou quote, people will forget what you said, People will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I started my business around six years ago. It's always been very important to me that people felt something, that there was a real, tangible, energetic experience that people got to have with me. And so uh, that is the intention to this day.
0: So that's the magic. The magic is how you make people feel. He's magical because he makes me feel like a rock star. He's magical because he gets me. He's magical because we connect emotionally and there's richness and depth to our relationship.
1: Yeah, and ultimately it's not so much that I want people to feel something about me. I want people to feel something about themselves, right? So anyone or anything that we're encountering in our life is ultimately reflecting back aspects of ourselves. perhaps aspects we already love, perhaps aspects we've rejected and don't want to see, but it's all reflecting back aspects of ourselves. And so I hope that I can make people feel some type of way about themselves that moves them forward.
0: I love that. I love that because I have to admit, when I saw that quote, I want to be the most magical person you know, I was thinking like, well, aren't I supposed to be the most magical person I know? I mean, I know that's a, you know that that can come across as being narcissistic, but that's not the way that that's not the way I mean it. You know, I mean, I think if like considering that we we inhabit our own skin for twenty four seven for the entirety of our lives, and there's nobody else who does that, like we we better you know hope the hope there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a life coach too. The hope the hope there is that I have a pretty damn good relationship with myself, and I view myself as being magical. So that's. I love it,
1: love it. Yeah, and to speak to that, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are also coaches, also life coaches, also business owners. I think it's so important for us to to realize that there really is room for everybody to thrive. Um, You know, I love being in this world of Hollywood. And if you think anything about the online coaching space is competitive, try being an actor where you're constantly sitting in audition rooms next to your competition day in and day out. And I think coaches could learn a lot from actors and how do you navigate that? That's a whole nother discussion. But the reason I bring that up is, uh, I remember Chelsea Handler saying, you have to learn in Hollywood that all of these other people in this town are not your competition and there's room for everybody. And so I think we as coaches have to give ourselves permission to just play full out, to be the fullest, highest, best, brightest expression of ourselves. And to know that there is a place for everybody to thrive. And so you shining doesn't diminish me, my shining doesn't diminish you. In fact, the more light any one of us adds, the brighter it is for all of us so i think that's really important because there are more and more coaches and thank god for that by the day you know i agree with you eight
0: million percent there is no reason to focus on the competition not not at all in fact there's every reason to collaborate with the competition that's 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 my thing i really love collaborating awesome so speaking of the light let's move a little bit to the darkness this show this show is about it's by and for people who have gone through i like to call it absolute caca but the other the other words for it really are trauma life-shattering experiences i've had guests on this show who've gone through three completely different forms of trauma all in one year you know cancer divorce and and uh death of a loved one you know just the 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 hat trick or the trilogy or, or whatever you want to call it um So Stefan, I know that you have an epic comeback story of your own, and I would love to hear the kind of executive summary of that, of what what did you go through and what was the worst part for you? What was like the darkest night of the soul for you?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that we were just talking about competition because one thing I've learned about trauma is, for anyone that's been through something really rough, your trauma is your trauma. And uh, whenever I tell my story, I always think about, there are people who will listen to this and they can't imagine experiencing it. But then there are other people who say, I feel like I've gone through 10 times worse. And so I think it's good to acknowledge, particularly in the context of this discussion we're having, you know, your trauma is your trauma and somebody else's broken arm doesn't take away the pain of your cancer, right? Trauma is trauma. Um, But for me, it really goes back to, I grew up and was raised in a fundamentalist religious cult um, and, It was an upbringing that was filled with a lot of fear uh, that really did, and I I mean these words very psychologically precise, um, it really did traumatize me as a child. The us versus them mentality that I was given that made me afraid of the entire world and think that everybody was going to hell, everybody was wrong, everybody was our enemy. Um, the constant fear of getting in trouble for the littlest thing, your haircut was inappropriate, you were chewing gum, an authority figure didn't like your tone. I mean, it, it really was an upbringing filled with fear. And at 18 years old, I got kicked out of the house. And it's interesting to look back on it because I didn't feel like I was consciously choosing to, live the, to leave the cult at the time, right? I wish I could say I was just a brave 18 year old and I packed my things and I said, I'm never looking back. That's not the story. you know. The story as I've shared places before is, it was a Tuesday night and my I really thought I was gonna make it through the summer and then I was gonna go off to college and that was how I was gonna smooth over the transition out of that world. And there was a Tuesday night that summer and my parents sat me down and they said, you need to be out of the house by Saturday. And I had no plan. I had nowhere to go. I had very little extraneous money to work with at that time. And so I you know, I, I will never forget sitting on the kitchen floor in the dark with a phone book, trying to call these sketchy extended stay hotels and, and trying to figure out where was I gonna go? What was I gonna do? As this little closeted gay kid in Greenville, South Carolina, um, and, and so that was my that was my starting point. And again, there there are people who would listen to that and say, "Oh, that's nothing." And there's people who would listen to that and say, "God, I can't imagine." But that was my starting point. And I I just remember the beginning of my comeback, if you will, was packing my life up into a car. I had this run down with so many problems, I don't even wanna think about it, silver Monte Carlo. And I remember driving it to the tallest parking garage I could find, which given our small town was like five stories, but it felt, you know, it felt dramatic to me. And I remember driving to the top of this parking garage and just overlooking the city. And I was gonna meet a friend and I had made an arrangement that I was gonna go live with him for whatever length of time until I figured things out and my whole life was packed up into this car. And I remember being at the top of that parking garage with all of my life packed into a car and deciding, I have to choose to believe that good things are coming on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think of the Cheryl Strayed phrase, I remember hearing her say that, there was a point in her life where she just couldn't afford despair she said i could not afford the luxury of despair and that's how i felt is i had to advocate for myself i had to fight for myself i had to show up for myself in that moment and so i remember being at the top of that parking garage and feeling i don't have the luxury of despair and i have to decide that we're moving forward and so uh that was really a pivotal moment for me and what could have been and many people told me i remember classmates of mine who of course, had been indoctrinated. You need to stay in this world. That's where your safety lies. That's where you're supposed to be. And I remember I had a classmate who said, if you leave this world, it will be the worst decision you ever made, and it will ruin your life. And those voices were in my head. And I just remember that turning point moment saying, I have to reject that narrative. I cannot go down that road mentally. And this has to be the beginning of a new chapter in my life.
0: Yeah. You, yeah, that that feeling of it's either survive or not survive. I mean, I, I used to say that to people when I, I went through a, a high-conflict divorce, and my kids were very, very young. And I remember just kind of just realizing, like, I don't I don't have a choice here. I mean, I, I do. I could choose to be angry and bitter, and you know, and go down some just really, really super dangerous road. But I have I have I have two young kids, and I can be miserable for the rest of my life or I can build something new. I, I, can, I can decide that I'm gonna feel joy again, you know? So it just, it didn't really feel like a choice for me because because, because I had to. I mean, I feel grateful that I had children at that, at that moment in my life.
1: Yeah, and I think that is the defining choice and mindset that makes all the difference, right? Whether yes. it's a divorce or an assault or whatever the incident is that mm-hmm. nobody would wish upon their worst enemy, but whatever that incident is, you can either look at it as this was the thing that ruined my life or this was a very traumatic thing that I went through and ultimately I used it as the starting point for a journey of healing, for a journey of helping others who have been through the same thing, for a journey of transformation. and so. I think those pivotal moments, something in us rises up and says, you can't afford despair right now because you have to make this a starting point and you have to use your energy in the direction of going forward.
0: Totally, totally. And speaking of going forward and speaking of I need, there there are good things for me. I have to believe that there are good things for me on that other side. You already had consciously a a vision of not necessarily a filled in vision of what the other side looked like but that there was another side and What it takes. I mean, it takes warrior energy to get to that other side Even if you don't feel like a warrior, I can't say that I necessarily felt like a warrior There were plenty of times when I didn't but um, it takes it takes warrior energy It takes like next step next step next step. So let's talk about the other side. What is the best thing? for you or what was the best thing for you once you reached that other side what's the be- what was the best thing about being there
1: that's a good question um it's funny because i don't think i could have planned predicted or imagined any of it from the parking garage perspective yeah and i think sometimes we have to work with a foggy vision and even just Like I think about some of the spiritual texts that I love say just a little bit of willingness is enough Mm -hmm. to move mountains, just a little bit of willingness is enough for the universe to work with just a little bit of willingness can cause a miracle. And Mm -hmm. I think about sometimes you just have a glimmer of possibility that perhaps it can get better. And I think about Michael Beckwith saying, you can in any moment, good or bad, ask the question, how does it get better than this? And sometimes that's all you have to work with because I could not have fathomed how it was all gonna play out. Um, You know, when I think about the best things, there was a whole part of me that I got to honor um, working for Disney briefly in college. And that's what brought me out to California actually is Disney college program. Very grateful for that opportunity. Um, And I think that that just allowed me to honor the, the child part of me that didn't get to have a normal childhood. There was a big, a deep joyful part about that of like getting to play and work at Disney. And I don't know, that was a great part. Um, I think I never imagined how good life could feel on the other side of shame. Like mm-hmm. I was still fully carrying all kinds of shame mm-hmm. at that point. And so that's an invisible thing, but a very real tangible thing to me. I don't think I could have envisioned how good life would feel without shame. And I also just think like on a very practical level, the career path I ended up on was nowhere in my mind. I didn't know people did this. I didn't know you could do this. I hadn't even met a life coach. I didn't know what a life coach was. And so, you know, the life I'm living today, nothing about this could I have fathomed from that perspective.
0: So would you say now that shame is, is pretty much gone? I guess my, my question more is like, what is on the other side of shame? Meaning I now no longer feel shame, I feel what?
1: So uh, let me put it this way. It's not that there are zero moments of shame. I think the difference is now shame feels to me like a story I'm presented that I know I have the choice whether or not I accept. Uh At that time, shame just felt like a deep, true reality about me that I was running from. And that's a huge difference. I literally said to someone the other day, you know, I was offered a shame sandwich in this conversation. But I said, no, thank you. Right? Shame is still offered to each of us by perhaps by society, by family members, by whoever it may be but we have a choice what we do with that. And I think there's a huge difference between, do you see it as a story that you can choose what to do with in that moment? Or do you see it as an inescapable reality of there really is something wrong with you?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. You have agency, you have choice, you have, you have, um, you have freedom rather than you're running from something that is, is inevitably always going to be there.
1: Absolutely. Right. And I, if, If you were to ask me, what did I exchange the shame for? I don't remember if that's exactly how you worded it, but I think the opposite of shame is the truth of who you are. And from what I know in my belief system, the truth of who I am is love. And so if I am love, there is no shame in that. And I can still hold space for, you know, I don't like this thought that I had, or I made a mistake here, or I would not repeat that choice again. I can hold space for all of that while still honoring that who I am at the core is love, who I am at the core is good, who I am at the core is whole. And the key piece about shame is that who you are is this deep, dark, evil thing to be feared. And so those are the opposites to me. The truth of who you are being rooted in love and wholeness versus a story that says who you are is really evil and scary at the core.
0: Amen. Amen. Everybody dance now. I love that. I love it. I love that. Okay, so one of the things that I have observed is, I feel that people who have gone through an epic comeback, and therefore have gone from a really low low to a really high high, can have a tendency to travel in packs. And I'm wondering, is, is, is there another maybe person or two who stands out for you, perhaps, um, who have inspired you along the way and along your journey, who just have the most amazing story and they need to be on my podcast?
1: That's a good question. Um,
0: sure, I mean, I'm sure you could think of hundreds of people. I'm just wondering if well, anybody- Right, that,
1: that. Are, that are all gonna come to me after we record. Um, Which is fine I, I too. Do, well, I, I do wanna say this about the, the travel and packs thing, yeah. because I think this has been an important concept for me on my journey of this is, I did realize at one point that sometimes people, including myself, People who have had a powerful restart, sometimes our brain gets attached to the idea that because that restart or that comeback was so necessary, that is the path to success. And sometimes one of the things I've noticed for myself, and I speak with a lot of cult survivor kind of people, um, is sometimes we think we're always looking for, like, the thing to escape, the next thing to leave, the next thing that we need to... Mm -hmm. And we're looking for it because at one point that was necessary on our journey. And so maybe this is an unusual thing to say, but one of the phenomenons I identified within myself was what I called Phoenix Syndrome. So the idea of the Phoenix rising from the ashes. One day it occurred to me, Stefan, how many times are you going to burn your life to the ground so you can dramatically rise from the ashes? And so I do think I tend to attract and work with and support a lot of people who have had these dramatic restart moments. And I actually think one of the most important things for us on our journey is to stabilize the good so we don't keep feeling like we have to burn it all down and start over and burn it all down because it's easy to get addicted to that. And I started noticing this in entrepreneur world that like, this person would have this story, but then they went and did it three more times. And it's like, but I don't think you had to have the three more yes. divorces, you've got to learn the one. And so that's something I'm very passionate about for people like me who have been through something really intense, who have had to restart their life is, what does it look like to learn to trust the good where you're not always looking for an out that you have to restart things. And I think it takes a lot of emotional maturity. I know it's been a, a big journey for me to get to that point, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that point so much, and I, I wish I wish that we had in front of us. So um, I created a method called the Epic Comeback Journey, and it's a pathway of basically for you know from hell to heaven, so to speak. How to stage an epic comeback in your life, and of course nobody follows, follows it. No two people follow it in the same way. It's not determinative. It's 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 based on hundreds of of real life case studies. I was studying all different comebacks in different different area, like athletic comebacks, you know, transformations, personal transformations, the whole thing. But anyway, if you, if you look at the epic comeback pathway, you go from a place of hell, right. To a place of, you know, starting to heal and then moving through the actual process of the epic comeback. And then at the end, there's this epic launch. And then after that, you kind of, you, you go back. If you get, when you get to a point in your life where you want to then up level, okay so it made it's not necessarily that moment you're talking about where we have to have a dramatic restart burn everything rise from the ashes again you go back to the beginning of the process but you skip the hell and the healing part so Mm. so like you don't have to go back to the place of of dark cave ashes burning you know i'm in a cult again i'm you know i think i really you don't have to
1: find another cult which i briefly did in college
0: You do not have to. The idea is, the idea is, and and I work with people who are really ambitious, kick-ass rock star people like you do. And, and, and there can be that, that kind of, especially if they're drama loving, especially if they love that drama and they're like, okay, time to burn everything again. And it's like, uh, 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 Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to always go go through that cycle. So I love the point you're making. Love it.
1: Well, and I think this is an important point, both of us being coaches, this is one of the differences in my own experience. And I understand therapy is a wide range of things. So this is just, I have many friends who are therapists who I love and respect, always give that disclaimer. But this is just in my experience with the two. Um, One of the things I had to learn is I don't believe that we're here on this planet for endless healing, 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 more healing. I believe we are here to thrive and to live in our wholeness and to live out our purpose and our calling and our destiny and whatever you conceive of that being. And I remember one day my coach said to me, you know, Stefan, the point of life is not endless healing. The point of life is creation. And that's a big distinction to me because I sat coming out of the cult. I sat in therapy for four years in college and it played a role in my life. But ultimately I found myself sitting in that chair in therapy and we would over and over and over again, just rehash the past. And I, the distinction I noticed when I met my first life coach is that in just a couple of conversations, it was doing so much to move me forward versus me just sitting in the past. And so I love that you made that point because I don't believe that we're supposed to endlessly re-trigger the hell and endlessly stay in the healing. It's a phase on the journey, but the question is, how do we get people to thrive? And so that's why I think it's so important to not build an identity in reaction to the past, but rather to make it a part of your story and then to let yourself thrive right now.
0: Yes, and yes, and yes. And so we really we've come to, to the essence of this here. I can't wait, I, I, no pressure, no pressure, Stefan, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this, because our listeners i mean our the listeners of this podcast are people mostly women people who are going through the muck right now they're in the middle of that spot where i don't i don't know what you know it's murky vision i don't know what's on the other side i don't know how the heck i'm going to get there and i don't know if i'm going to get to the other side so what what is a piece of advice or maybe two that you would give to people who are there right now they're going through the caca and they they what would you say to them about the other side and, and getting to that
1: yeah i think the best thing i know about being in a moment where you don't even know if you're going to make it is a vision is the best thing to keep you moving forward in the darkest of moments um and i you know though that moment i shared earlier was my biggest comeback there's so many moments i could point to i think about year one of my business and I'm in California and I feel very isolated. I feel very alone. I don't know many people. And I remember there was a moment and I came home from my part time job that was not even paying the bills and my business is not bringing an income at this point. And I remember I came home and there was an eviction notice on the door. Mm -hmm. That was like, this is your warning, you're about to get evicted. And I came home and all the lights were off and I just sat down on the living room floor and I just wept. And I was so scared, and I was so sad, and I was so... What the hell is happening here? I don't know if I'm just so a cuss on this podcast, but I it was so... Sad. What? Is, what is happening here? <laughs> and um, and here's here's what I know is the circumstances surrounding you in this moment literally are nothing more than a starting point, and it is vital that you get this. The circumstances of your life are not an indicator of what you get to have. The circumstances of your life are not an indicator of what is possible for you. The circumstances of your life right now are not an indicator of where the story ends. They are literally just the starting point. And I can hear my coach and her powerful question in my head right now saying, the only thing that matters is what are you going to create next? Mm. And. That is the only thing that matters. And I have been asked that question in the darkest of moments. And I, it has brought me to a place of moving forward to ask, what am I going to create next? And so that's what I wanna say is, if you're in tough circumstances, it's easy to get caught up in all kinds of internal stories about those circumstances. The best use of those circumstances is to not make them mean anything more than they are simply a starting point. You get to decide what you wanna create from there. The only thing that matters is what you will create next. And if you get a vision for the future, I don't care how much it contradicts your current reality because Lord knows little Stefan in a cult could not have conceived of this life at all. But even a glimpse or a, a glimmer of a vision, that vision will move you forward. And before long, you will not be in those circumstances and you will find yourself living something that is more beautiful than you could have imagined.
0: I am. Yeah, absolutely. Even just the tiniest little thing of a glimmer. I mean, I'll just give a little example. Like when I was going through absolute hell, um, I had this vision of in in the home, the new home that I was going to create for my kids and me. I was gonna. I had a certain vision of a certain kind of like little tacky stained glass art hanging that I was going to put in my kitchen window, and I didn't. I didn't have anything other than that really. And there were times when that, there, there were times when just that, that tiny little part of a, a vision, a splinter of a vision, it, it gave me comfort.
1: And, you know, I want to say this, it's a slightly lighter note, but you can apply it across the board. And I think it's very important. The tiniest of desires that you actually care about has enough energetic fuel to move you forward. So it's funny, when I started my business in year one and even into year two, I wasn't focused on big number goals. I wasn't focused on a lot of the things that people in the online space so often get caught up. in. literally what mattered to me at that point was, man, if I could just get this very low number, I look back on it and I laugh, but at the time I was like, if I could just get this very low number, it would pay my bills. I could live off this, and I could even ride at Cycle pretty regularly. And that was as far as I could see. And I was like, can you imagine being paid to just stay at home and coach people and help people live their best lives? And it's funny because I've so surpassed that now, but I didn't have to conceive of everything or even believe all of this stuff at that point. I just had to see this is the, what I can see right now, and we're gonna move in that direction. And so whoever you are listening to this, however you ended up here, I promise you the little bit of vision you have is enough, and your job is to move forward with that. And it might be as simple as like, if I could only provide this for my kids, it might be as simple as if I could even touch one person and change their life, whatever it is, the vision you have in this moment is enough, and that's the thing to move forward with.
0: Yeah. What is the next thing, just like you said, what is the next thing that I can create? What is the next thing that I can create? Like for me, it's like, I will have arrived when I can send my kids to this camp, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: And I, I don't know if you watched uh, Frozen 2 at any point this year, but I for did. whatever reason- I did, I did, I
0: went with my daughter to the, like, the international premiere at El Capitan. It was awesome.
1: Oh, how fun. I, listen, I love Frozen 2 um, and I know many, many parents in my community are, you know, have heard the songs too much by now. But what I love about Frozen 2 is that scene where she's in a moment of despair and there's this song, just do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And man, if that's not been a motto, I think for so many people in a year of uncertainty where people don't feel like they can possibly fathom how it's all going to play out next is just do the next right thing. And... um you know, every interview that I do, every place I speak, et cetera, it's very important to me that I don't know what somebody's next step is, right? It might be to call someone and apologize to them. It might be to make a brave investment in themselves. It might be, under normal circumstances, I say, it might be to take a trip somewhere. Maybe not as likely right now. But the point is... Eat a taco. The, a taco. <laughs> right. What, make some guacamole. Whatever the next step is your job is to do the next right thing and what i found is the later steps don't reveal themselves to us mm-hmm. when we're not taking the inspired action we know already yeah and so do the next right thing is powerful thank yeah. you frozen
0: thank you frozen yeah i love it okay so i'm going to totally scrap the the last question i was going to ask you and i'm going to ask you something different um it has to be about has to be something involving being epic. So what I'm gonna ask you is what what are you, what epic thing are you going to create next, Stefan?
1: That's a good question. Um, TV is very much my focus right now. It has been a desire of mine, really to some degree since I was little, and all throughout my business, it's been a desire of mine to reach people with my message and really show up in a big way on TV. Um, I kept it on the back burner for a long time, and I just wanna throw this out there for all the entrepreneurs, Oftentimes there's desires that really are desires of your heart that are meant for you. And somewhere along the way, somebody told them that doesn't benefit your business, that doesn't fit into the picture, you know, that's not gonna help you. And often I think we scrap these desires or at least we put them on like eight, eight burners back on the stove and we say, you know, when I get there eventually, then I can pick that up. And so one of the biggest things for me this year has been owning that that's something I really want and going after it and so i have a big audacious goal for the year of 50 tv appearances we're at 16 i start i got a little bit of a slow start but we have some momentum now and we're heading through it uh so that's really what i'm laser focused on right now and it feels epic but it also just feels rewarding i've I've quoted my coach so many times today danielle randall i love her Um, and her book, I Met God in a Nightclub. I'm not sponsored by her, I just promote because I love her. Um, But anyway, Danielle Randall, I quote so much because I love her, and she, one of the things that she, what was I gonna quote? Now I'm losing my train of thought. Something about, oh, she said the hardest, she said the hardest thing you'll often ever do is stay the course of your path in the midst of what everybody else is doing. And so it feels really epic to me to have owned this is what my desire is. This is what my dream is in this moment. This is what's important to me in this moment. And so this is what I'm doing. And that feels phenomenal. So Absolutely. that's what I will continue to do this year.
0: That's great. I'm psyched to see you all over TV, all over the place. During, and, post, during and post-quarantine. Stefan, thank right. you so much for being my guest today. I'm really honored to have you on. Um, tell us where we can find you online. What's the, what's the best way to follow you, find you?
1: Yeah, so the hub for everything that's easiest is Instagram uh, because all of my links and buttons are there. So it's Dr. Lovegrove, D-R-L-O-V-E, G-R-O-V-E. Yes, that really is my last name. It is not a stage name as I was never asked before I was in California. Um, My personal favorite thing is actually I have a text list And it's my favorite thing because it's way more intimate than anything else. I do more than Facebook, more than, you know, Instagram, more than my email list. It's super intimate. I often send a little prayer of blessing for the week to those people. And we just chat back and forth. Um, Anyway, all the info for that is on my Instagram and you can text and say hello. But Dr. Lovegrove is the the one-stop shop for you there.
0: Rock on. So this is Nikki Bruno with Stefan Lovegrove. Thank you again on the Epic Comeback podcast. And if you're looking for more information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life after or during a life shattering experience, please visit theepiccomeback.com.